I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. As a mom, it's natural to want to measure how we're doing by the results we get from our kids. It's easy to get caught up in whether or not they get good grades, make the right choices, or act properly in public. Sure, we want to raise good kids and be a great mom, but if we're not careful, if we focus on these things too much, it will lead to spending too much time correcting and not enough time connecting. Today's guest, Crystal Payne, was a mom who was doing all the right things, managing her family and a thriving business and getting the results she wanted from the life that she created. But then, all of a sudden, she found out that one of her children was being expelled from school for bullying. He was depressed and suicidal. Sitting in an emergency room with her husband and child, Crystal hit her all-time parenting low. It was the catalyst that propelled her to relearn parenting. Crystal discovered that in order for her family to heal, she not only had to change her approach to parenting, less fixing and more loving, but she had to address the lies that she believed about herself. In our conversation, we talked about how she shifted to a love-centered model of raising her children and the positive changes she saw as a result. Plus, she shares the four choices that we can make as a mom to love our children well. Do you want to know what your kids really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet so you can find out and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. It's a 360 peer review, but for families. Not only does it include assessment questions, but a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions so you can make a fun weekend out of it. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop, and for only $4.99, you can download your copy. Today, I'm talking with Crystal Payne. Crystal is the founder of MoneySavingMom.com, host of the Crystal Payne Show podcast, and the New York Times bestselling author. Her desire is to help women across the globe live with more joy, purpose, and intention in their everyday lives. She lives with her husband and kids in the Nashville, Tennessee area. Welcome, Crystal. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I am so excited to be here. All right. So a question that we ask all of our guests is what is your family known for? You know, this is an interesting question because I, we were just recently, well, not recently, it was about a year and a half, two years ago, we were going through the foster care licensing process and they had to ask each of us individually, what are your family's core values? And oh, I thought wow. it was really fascinating because we didn't, you know, no one was prepped for this. Like they don't yeah. prep you what they're going to ask. And, and, you know, we all said kind of some different things. One of the big things every single person said is we're never boring. And so <laughs> I thought that that's, that's because something always is interesting. We always have some crazy story or some interesting thing that's going on. And we're just always up for an adventure and spontaneous. But I think also I would say that Online, it would be a $70 grocery budget is something that we're known for. And then also foster care is another thing that we're known for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that, that you found, you're able to find a common thread. That means you're doing something right. (laughs) Or we're just really not boring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would think you'd be in trouble if it was the other way around. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) 
Okay. So yeah, you mentioned the $70 budget. Yeah. Cause you were known as the money saving mom. So, so you're here to talk to us today about your new book, love centered parenting, which is a departure from what you typically talk about online. I can appreciate all the money saving tips that I've gotten for you from you over the years but I'm excited to hear what else you have to say. So why don't you tell us more about this book and why you wrote it? Yes. So if you had told me, you know, eight years ago, oh, someday you're going to write a book that's going to have parenting in the title. I'd be like, nope, you got the wrong girl. (laughs) But here we are. Sometimes God's plans for you are very different than what you see for yourself. But Really for me, for years, I have talked online about saving money and time management and making money and just very practical things. Mm -hmm. But about four years ago, our family found ourselves in this place that you never dream or imagine where one of um, our kids was just in a really, really hard place. And I open up the book talking about walking into the ER and going up and saying, my child's suicidal. And it's that kind of the worst place that you could ever picture yourself being in as a parent where your child Mm -hmm. is really spinning out of control and you just cannot seem to help them and figure out how to help them. And so really this book was written out of that place, not only to share what my journey has been and what God has taught me and just how he's transformed my heart, but also to help other women know that they're not alone. Cause I think that it can feel very, very lonely to be in a place where you feel like you have a child who's struggling or that you're the only one who's messing up as a parent and yeah. no, you're not alone. Yeah. So how did you discover this and have the courage to ask for help? So it was one of those situations, again, that you never want to be in as a parent. Uh, My husband was dropping our three kids off at the little Christian school that they went to one day. And the principal met him and said, hey, I need to meet with you and your wife and your child after school. Mm -hmm. And you just have that feeling something not good is about to go down. And we really racked our brain to try to figure out, well, what, what could it be? And we couldn't come up with anything, but we just felt like this is not good. So we walked in there and he explained to us something that had happened the day before that our child had done that was very serious and had broken the school's code of conduct and they needed to take swift action. And a lot of things had to be put into place. And from this and kind of this coming out, then we found out months and months of different things that had gone on and gone down that we didn't know about. And our child really spiraled out and their anxiety and depression just went to a whole new level and they became very vitriolic and were saying suicidal things. And it was just a really scary time as parents because you feel so desperate and you want so much to help your child, but you feel like, where's the manual that tells me the next thing that I'm supposed to do to help my child pull out of this place. And we were calling therapists and counselors and a lot of them were not taking new clients or they would say, you know, this is a really serious case. And that's why we ended up in the ER. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I can imagine this was a big shift in your thinking, how you viewed your family, how you viewed your parenting. What did that look like and having to change things to relearn parenting in this situation? You know, it was that place of knowing that what we were doing was not working. Something Mm -hmm. had to change. And we were finally able to get in with a therapist. And I remember sitting across from her on a couch right as we were doing our initial meeting with her and saying to her, you know, my child's struggling so much. And 
we need help. And if there's anything that I can do to change what the way that I'm parenting, the way that I'm approaching Mm -hmm. anything to do to help my child, please let me know. Well, Mm -hmm. later after multiple therapy sessions, therapist called me back in after she dismissed my child. And she said, I feel like you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to just walk with them? Mm. And I started really paying attention to throughout the day. And I realized that so often when something was going wrong or my kids were fighting or they were making a choice that felt like it was the wrong choice or they were acting Mm -hmm. out or whatever, I would kind of swoop in and try to fix the situation, either telling them we don't act like this in you know, this home, stop it right now. Or saying, you know, okay, we need to have a talk or something where I'm like, we have got to fix this. And, and for her to say, what would it look like to just walk with them? I didn't know how Mm -hmm. to even do that. And I started to pay attention to why am I responding like this? Where is this coming from? And I really realized that if we would pull back a lot of layers, it was because I was feeling like I needed to live up to some standard that I created for myself. And I cared so much about my reputation Mm -hmm. and I was focusing so much on that and not relationship with my kids. And I was spending Mm -hmm. so much time as a result than just correcting, 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 correcting. Cause I was like, this is my job as a parent. I want to raise good kids and I want to be a good mom. And I was spending so much time correcting and very little time connecting. Mm-hmm. And as I dug into that even more, I realized that a lot of it really stemmed from these lies that I believed about myself, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't a good enough mom, that I was a disappointment to those closest to me, that I was failing as a mom. And mm-hmm. just on and on, on these lies that I lived under for so long, they'd become my truths and they were labels that I wore and what I led with. And so I started to just really pay attention to the narrative in my head. And when I would think, you know, you're failing as a mom, I would say, hold up. That's a lie. And what is the truth? And I started to really, as a Christian, looking to God's word and seeing what he says about me, that I am beautiful, redeemed, loved, forgiven, and to recognize that he has given me these children. He loves these children even more than I do. And he has entrusted them to me. And so I can trust him that he knows what he's doing. He's a big God and that he can give me what I need to walk with them. And so to start Mm -hmm. to recognize the lies, call them out as lies, and then replace them with the truth and to actually verbally do that Mm -hmm. for me, that was really the start of getting to a place of really fully knowing that I was loved and then not parenting for my reputation, but parenting Mm. from that place of love for my kids. And then I could just walk with them. Didn't matter the results. Didn't matter what other people thought. Didn't matter at the end of the day, my kids' choices. What mattered was that I was faithful to walk with them. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. I mean, when I asked you that question, I almost thought, well, maybe I'm going to get some tips and tricks, but that's really not the core of the issue and not the, certainly not the solution. And so I can totally relate to wanting to have systems in place, wanting to have practical tips like you're known for to get it right and to do what you're supposed to do. But really at the end of the day, why are we doing that is what really matters, right? I think it's so easy also that it's like we want to deal with the surfacey issues Mm -hmm. and really getting down to why recently I've been teaching a class of women online and we've been talking about yelling less and loving more and talking about where 
where is that anger and frustration coming yeah. from? And so often we just look at the surface. We're like, well, my kid made a mess. Well, yeah. why does the fact that my child made a mess really upset me? Well, maybe mm-hmm. it's because I want to have a clean house. Well, then why do I want to have a clean house? Well, maybe it's because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to, you know? And so like when you start uncovering and really asking why and really getting down to the root of where something is coming from, it usually has nothing to do with my child made a mess and so much Mm -hmm. deeper. And I think if we just try to fix things with a checklist or a chore chart or a system, well, those things can be helpful. If we don't address the root issue, we're never actually going to uproot and uncover and change our life. Mm, Yeah. So talk to us more about shifting from that parent-centered to relationship-centered parenting. Yes. So it was really interesting. When I was writing this book, I actually asked um, my audience on Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. And I asked them to fill in the blank. I said, fill in the blank. My job as a parent is to blank. And Mm. I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses. And what was fascinating to me is that I would say 98 to 90%, 99% of the responses were things that we ultimately don't have control over. Oh, wow. It's like, you know, I want to raise great children who excel academically and go on to get good jobs. Nothing wrong with that. Or I want to raise kids who love Jesus and have strong character. Nothing wrong with that. But if we feel like that is our job as a parent, then our job performance is on the line when our kids make any choice. And so we're constantly going to be micromanaging and nitpicking and critiquing them because whatever they do is a reflection on how we're doing as a parent. And so taking that shift from the results-based parenting to relationship-based parenting says, I'm not parenting because, you know, this, this is how I picture, this is what you're supposed to do. That's what I'm focusing on. Like I'm, or I'm afraid of the future either. There's so often that we can parent out of that place of we're, we're afraid. So if our child makes this choice, we play it out. Worst case scenario. I do this a lot. You know, they, they say, they talk back to us and instantly we go to, oh my goodness, if they do that when they are 18 years old and they're going to, you know, lose their job and blah, blah, blah. You know, we can play it out to this place. And so we're parenting out of the space of fear And parenting from this place of rest and love to just love them that moment and really get to the root of why, again, it goes Mm -hmm. back to why. And so for me of, you know, instead of focusing on the results or my kids' choices or what looks good to others or what people are going to think, oh, she's a good mom, really focusing on the here and now and the present and walking with my child. And so in the book, Love Center Parenting, I encourage parents to make four choices. And these are to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility, and to let go. Mm -hmm. Those four choices are not dependent upon your child's behavior or choices. They're not dependent yeah. upon the results. It's all about the relationship. Yeah. And, and so when we just focus on that, what does it look like in the situation when my child says, you know, they talk back to me, what does it look like to lean in and love them and to listen well and to lead with humility and to let go? And mm-hmm. that really has just been what shapes the way that I approach my kids. And it's completely taken all of the stress and burden off of me that I'm so focused on the results and the choices that my kids make. And I'm just focusing on what can I do right now? How can I choose to love my child and walk with them and really hear 
the underneath and the why and what they're going through and lean in and love them where they're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to go back to in a little bit, we'll go back to those four choices that parents have to make. But like, as you're talking, so if we're not paying attention to the results, how do we know if what we're doing is working? Because <laughs> I'm like, like, I get that in my head, but then in, in the situation, how do I measure if I'm showing up and I'm having an impact? Like, how, what did you see in your family? It's a great question. And I think we need to shift kind of what we see as working because mm. so often we see working as results. Yeah. You're like, okay, my kid is making good choices. It's working. You know, whereas it's like, for me, I want to care more about their heart. And yeah. I, so if we have a really great conversation and they open up and they share and maybe there's tears and maybe there's anger and there's frustration, but we're getting to the root of where it's mm-hmm. coming from and they're opening up with me. To me, that's so much more important than, well, on the outside, it looks like, like they made a really good choice. Mm-hmm. I want to care more about what's going on deep down in their heart because I yeah. feel like long-term that's what's going to matter most. And if they just stuff all the things down and put on a happy face and look like they're, you know, being a good kid, that's not really what matters the most. I want to care about what's going on. And so often, you know, it's like we talked about how there's so much underneath the surface with them too. And so in the book, when I'm talking about listening well to your kids, what are they actually trying to communicate in their actions? And I would so much rather that, you know, almost like that there's an outburst, which this sounds weird, but I would rather that they get it out what they're feeling so that I can then come alongside them. Then they just Mm. stuff it down. And then, you know, 14 years from now, it's going to come out in this really dysfunctional anger that they've just stuffed down for years because they felt like they needed to be a good kid. And Mm. but because they didn't want their parents to feel like, you know, they weren't making good choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So what were the changes that you saw when you started to make this transformation? What were some of the changes that you saw in your family? You know, it was really interesting because I realized that I was spending so much time correcting. So I didn't really even know my kids. Like like I knew them on the surface, you know, but I didn't know what was really going on down in their heart. And they even told me, you know, they said, mom, we were too scared to tell you some of these things because we thought that you would just kind of fly off the handle or get upset and, or you couldn't handle, you know, these big feelings that we had. And so as I started to really say, you know, I really want to know what you're feeling. It's hard because we do, we want our kids to just kind of like everything to just go along and there's not any bumps in the road, you know, and it's hard when, as they get older, they have big feelings. Like they are processing through a lot of stuff and we're not going to see eye to eye. But so that was one big thing is that we started being able to communicate and they started feeling like they could safely share things with me, even if they knew that I wasn't going to agree with them, that they could still share with me. And then also I felt like there was, there's been so much less stress in our home because mm. I'm not carrying around that burden of trying to critique and micromanage them. Yeah. I don't have to feel like I'm so focused on their choices and their results. I can just focus on loving them. But the, but the interesting thing, you know, and I'm not going to say that this is always going to be the case. That's not what I'm in the book. It's not like, well, you do this, this, and this, and then you're going to have, you know, 
But I do think that when we come alongside our kids, you know, if we think about in our own relationships, if we're struggling with some, something and we go and share with someone and they're just, they preach a sermon to us and they tell us how we need to just get your act together, just stop. You know, how often we say this to our kids, yeah. you know, stop it. We don't act like that in, in our home. <laughs> how is that going to, they're not going to want to share with us. And so I just noticed this shift of their heart really changing to being open to more communication and being more willing to share and feeling calmer. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's demeanor at our home was calmer because I was setting the tone of this love center parenting. And so then they could feel loved. So then they could feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so then they could just share more what they were feeling versus just trying to bottle it all up. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important for sure. Yeah, and I, I feel like the more time I'm just present and not trying to even drive the conversation is when they open up. Like, because I'll want to like pepper them with the questions. Well, how are you feeling? What do you think about that? What's going on in your head? But if I can just wait it out, they start to open up. And that's when I do, I do feel like, oh yeah, this is good. This is the good stuff, you know, even if it's not something I want to hear. Yes. And yeah. so often those, those conversations come in just the everyday. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we sometimes miss out on stuff because we're not stepping into our kids' lives. Uh, and oftentimes I'm talking to moms who are saying, well, I want to connect with my kids. And I'll say, well, what do they love to do? What do your kids love to do? Care about what they care about. Be interested in what they're interested mm-hmm. in. Even if it's something that doesn't interest you at all. You know, if they love video games, go sit there and play the video games with them. Mm-hmm. You might be horrible at it, but y'all will get a good laugh out of it. And it'll mean something to them that you cared enough to go and step yeah. into the world. And so looking for those opportunities so often, that's where just out of the blue, you know, one of them just the other day, I was with a child and I was just stepping into their world and out of the blue, they just said, yeah, well, so-and-so is really upset with me because of what happened yesterday. And I was like, what happened? You know, like I had, yeah. you know, it was like, because they just felt free then to be able to share that because we were just doing life together. Yeah. Yeah. My middle daughter, she started liking those iced coffees from Dunkin' Donuts and aren't nobody in our house drinks coffee. So I'm like, mm, like I want to tell her all the reasons why she shouldn't be drinking that junk. <laughs> no offense if you like iced coffee, but it's like, you know, it's all cream and sugar and it's really not coffee. And, and I was like, oh, I can't, you know, let it go. And I started saying, Hey, you want to go take a drive down to Dunkin' Donuts? I'll buy you a coffee. Like just to, you know, and, and thankfully she's decided I really don't like them anyway. <laughs> it's just something her friends were doing and became very popular to do. But yeah, like instead of trying to give her a talk about what she's consuming and what she's drinking and why she doesn't need that, I'm like, hey, let's go down and go get one. And yeah, it was a perfect opportunity to have a conversation. And I think it's also allowed her to let her guard down because I'm willing to just step into whatever it is that she enjoys for sure. So good. Yeah. Okay. So you did talk about the four important choices that we can make as parents. We don't have time to talk about all of them, but let's just talk a little bit about one. So repeat what the four of them are and then share one with us. Okay. So lean in and love, listen well, lead with humility and let go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've talked about some leaning in love and listening well, but let's talk about what it looks like to lead with humility, because I think this is something that's really important as parents and with love center parenting. It's not just like you just let everything go and you don't, you know, it's like whatever you want to do is perfect and wonderful. You know, there is 
that leadership as parents of, of training and nurturing our kids. And I talk a lot about that in that chapter in the book. But I think one thing that's so important for our kids is for them to see us fail, for them mm. to see us make mistakes. Just yesterday, I got frustrated with one of my kids about something and I had to go back to them and say, I'm really sorry. I did not walk that well. And let's talk about this. And I want to tell you what's going on in my heart. And here's what I'm struggling with. Will you please forgive me? And just Mm -hmm. leading with humility by being honest with our kids about when we struggle. And I think as a Christian, Mm -hmm. the opportunity for us, for our kids to see us we have to look to Jesus. We can't do this in our own strength. And that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give to them is for them to see us going through struggles and sometimes wrestling with things and grappling with things. But ultimately that, you know, they're seeing that God is faithful and we're looking to him. And then we can point them to Jesus through our life and our actions and what we're processing through. And Mm -hmm. also then be willing to just you know, say when we're struggling and we've made mistakes and we need to ask forgiveness, just owning it to them, I think is one of the greatest examples that we can set for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough for them to tell us that they need to forgive, like either forgive each other or forgive friends when they can see us demonstrate that. I think that's a big game changer because it also, I think like our kids don't realize we're human. You know, we sit in this place of knowing it all, which we don't, or trying to fix them. And it it doesn't allow them to connect with us. And I think it not only allows them to connect with us, but sets the example for how they're supposed to, how they can behave and have good relationships as well. Yeah. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough as parents. Well, because it is humbling. It's hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. anytime you go and ask forgiveness or admit that you're struggling, like I feel like with our kids, sometimes we feel like we're supposed to be the strong, brave ones who mm-hmm. make the right choices. And if we if we admit to them that we're struggling or that we made a mistake, maybe that's going to somehow in some way harm them or hurt them. But I share yeah. in the book a story of whenever I was 17 years old and I accidentally crashed our family's van into the front of our house. And my dad got really upset with me, but I don't remember what he said that night. What I remember is that the next day he came back and asked forgiveness. Like that's what stuck with me through that was not the anger towards me, but the willingness to humble himself and admit that he was wrong. Like that is something that our kids are going to remember for years to come. And it's Mm -hmm. hopefully going to help them in situations where they make mistakes or where they need to go own up to something and ask forgiveness. They're going to remember our example. Yeah. And it has such a power to diffuse a situation. It literally can, like, it's like a switch. If you take a moment to humble yourself and you say, wow, like, I'm really sorry about how I addressed this issue. Then all of a sudden it dramatically allows you to have a better conversation and to connect. It's, it's so good. And I think yeah. it can open up the door for them to also be willing to come to you down the road when they're struggling with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They feel like you've opened up that door of saying, you know, I, like yesterday, I did not respond well. And here's what I was struggling with. And here's why. And, you know, asking forgiveness, then I'm hoping that my child, you know, is going to remember that and be able to come to me and we can have a conversation because that that has happened so many times where they will call back to remember last year when blah blah, blah I, you were walking through that well I kind of have a similar situation and I was thinking about that you know and it's just this really beautiful thing because they've gotten to see that we we're on their team we're together with them in this but we're learning right alongside them mm-hmm. yeah all right so as we wrap up what are some practical tools for our listeners that they can use if they are going through something and they feel like they just want to give up. 
Yeah, this is such a great question. And I I think the biggest thing that I just want to encourage people with, if you're listening today and you are feeling really, really overwhelmed right now, maybe you have a situation with a child. I've heard from so many moms as the early release copies have gone out who have just Mm -hmm. said, I feel like I was the only one. And I just want you to know that you are not alone. You are not alone. And I think for you to just know that. And then if you can feel like that you can share with someone else, finding that safe person that you can share with, I think can just make such a difference. But some things that were really helpful for me, we talked about the replacing lies with truth and to recognize those lies and replace those lies with truth. That is something that just that one practice, if you can start doing that, I really believe that it can change your life and set you free and open up your eyes to so much that is there that you can work through and get some healing and just be able to be at a place where you're, you know, parenting and living your life with just more freedom and joy. And then Mm -hmm. one other thing that I wanted to share, I talk about in the book about flare prayers, and this is something that's been so helpful to me in so many situations, but in parenting, you know, if I hear my child in the other room, we, a lot of times they're arguing or something. I don't know if that happens at your house, but your house, And instead of just, you know, kind of running in there to be like, okay, what's going on to, to shoot up a flare prayer. Anytime that Mm. I need to go and and deal with a situation, approach a child about something. I oftentimes don't have time to, you know, get down on my knees and pray for 30 minutes, but to be able to shoot up a flare prayer, just God, please help me. I can't do this in my own strength. Would you please give me the wisdom to walk into this Mm. situation and to love my child well, to lean in and love them, to listen well to them. And so going from that posture. And so that I'm praying and then just moving into addressing that from that posture of, I want to love you has Mm -hmm. really helped me so that I'm not just trying to fix and correct and overprotect, but I'm really trying to walk with and love. Oh, that's good. Good. I like that flare prayers. I'm going to be doing lots of that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was incredible. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. You can find Crystal at moneysavingmom.com. She's on Facebook as Money Saving Mom and on Instagram as The Money Saving Mom. I will link to all of this and where you can find her on Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube, plus where you can find her book, Love Centered Parenting, in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at, at Kimberly Amici, and you can find the podcast at, at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. <laughs>